Oh, why, hello there. Welcome to this here Cinema Podrophy, this little sweetest movie podcast this side of the Mississippi. My name's Brian. We're just tickled pink to have y'all joining us. Oh, my, where are my manners? Let me introduce y'all to my dear friends and co-hosts. Hi, everyone. I'm Corey. I'm Justin. Around these parts. Around these parts, we like to take turns picking films for all of us to watch. Then we all get together to discuss them like till we're blue in the face. If y'all have any suggestions of your own for us to review, uh, just go ahead and let us know over on Instagram or at our email. And darling, if you suggest a sad movie, I have to let you know that I have a strict policy that no one cries alone in my presence. Luckily for me, y'all won't have to see me ugly cry because this is on the internet radios. Anywho, enough jaw jacking. Let's get this show on the road before my hair starts deflating. Cinema Podrophy. Today, we'll be reviewing the 1989 award-winning dramedy Steel Magnolias, starring and with a star emphasis, Shirley MacLaine, Olympia Dukakis, Sally Field, Julia Roberts, Dolly Parton, and Daryl Hannah. Billed as the funniest movie that will ever make you cry, Steel Magnolias chronicles life in the small Louisiana town of Chickapin Parish. This movie is as southern as sweet tea and pecan pie. The characters are complex and lovable, and the stories are hysterical and heartbreaking. Gossiping in salons and putting up with idiot husbands barely begins to scratch the surface of what daily life looks like for this group of friends. As they accept a new young lady into their fold, they must all navigate their own personal struggles while doing their best to keep up the presentation and be supportive of one another. Directed by Herbert Ross and written by Robert Harling, this a film is an emotional roller coaster in the best of ways. And in the end, it reminds us that life is both tragic and joyous. So cherish your loved ones always. Now, before I actually start crying, just thinking about this movie, let's talk about what kind of alcohol we're drinking to numb the pain. I'll go first. I am having a glass of um, Sauvignon Blanc, but I don't know if you can really see it. Um, the glass I'm using is actually um, my grandmother's that was given to her at her wedding shower. So wow. anyway, felt like it was appropriate for this. That's movie. amazing. <laughs> yes. Justin. So I don't want to one up you, but I am actually drinking out of a glass that is from um, my great, great, great great grandfather who came across on a Mayflower <laughs> and also owned Creighton Barrel. <laughs> no, I am just drinking out of a normal glass, but I am having a glass of Jefferson bourbon that was mm. gifted by a friend. Very good stuff. A little bit of a spice, a little bit of a sweetness. Delicious. Mm. Well, I am having a bottle of Basil, not the whole bottle, but Basil <laughs> Hayden's. Brown baguette. Yep. I almost had Basil Hayden's tonight before because I was trying to think what to do. And then before this, I almost had that. That's so funny. Love it. So, I've uh, actually but, never had Basil Hayden. Oh, it's great. It's you good. Can, you can have some of mine. It was given to me by my neighbor, and I'm drinking it out of uh, an Inieda whiskey uh, bourbon glass. I don't know if this company still exists, but I stole this from a bar. But that's what happened. So yeah, cheers, guys, and hello. Cheers. I cheers. like to see your faces. 
so I just want to start off by saying I'm so happy that both of you were willing to do this movie. I know I know we said when we started this podcast that we were never going to say no to a movie. Um, but this one is very near and dear to my heart. I, I've watched this since I was a kid. This was this was one that was in the regular rotation. Um, and I'm doing something very risky tonight, but I have full confidence in it, which is why I'm doing it. I have zero notes. I didn't take any notes. Ooh. I watch this movie probably once every other month, if not once a month. I'm just oh, saying. You're good. <laughs> you so, watch it that often? I do. And it's not it's not that I sit and watch it, once again, as much as it is kind of background or things like that. But but this has been a movie that I have I have seen so more times this, than not. Is this a movie you would t- if you were on a deserted island, would you take it with you? If I if I had to pick a movie to take with me, if I was told you Let, have to take a movie, yes, let's, let's say this. Yes. this is like one of three. Yes, because because I think because it hits all the feel the feels okay. and the emotions. Like if I want a good cry, I can watch it. If I want a good laugh, I can watch it. Right. Yeah, I second that. And you and really, if you want just if you want lots of laughs, you watch the first half. If you want yeah to be kind of happy and then really bummed out, yeah, you watch the last. <laughs> half. Anyway, so I've been waiting to tell you guys that I'm like I didn't take any notes. This is a, this is a total. Off. I've, I've been waiting my whole life for this moment. <laughs> we're we're gonna drill you with trivia. Yes, bring it on. I'm ready. Like spell, queezer. queezer. Yeah, <laughs> I have no idea. I I w h e e z r e. Yeah, I nope. I just wrote Weezer until I looked at it and I was like, oh, they're in New Orleans, you yeah. know the 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 French thing. Weezer Baudreau. Yeah, yeah, but I I want to kick off just real quick. Get it. Um, the first thing I noticed about this movie was when it when it started. Why did so many like '80s and '90s movies have that feel of like it was like the 1950s Americana? Did you guys get that? What do you mean? Like where it's just like very suburban, very like, suburban, it's just like, like, oh, of course she's walking forever down like country Main roads, Street and then she's in Main Street and then she's in a neighborhood. And well, not like, to mention there's there's tons of kids playing outside. There's like a perfect piano riff playing. There's a baseball team walking across the street like. Yeah, what I, I think. I think it's probably because, like, A, they need to show all the stuff they used to show at the beginning of a movie, like, written and directed by, yada, yada, like, all that stuff that they just they put at the beginning of the movie with the intro music to sort of set you up for the feel of the movie, which was small town vibes. Like, the whole movie yeah. is just small town vibes. Um, kids show you there's a family movie, a lot of family feels. Um, everybody says hello to Anel, every single person says, "Ah, good morning, smiley day, or whatever." I know. Um, it it just like it, it it gave me a it it gave me a good feeling. Like yeah, yeah. oh yeah, and, almost. I mean, we, and then you add the score to it. Um, hello. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I I was so busy just trying to a learn names because there's a lot of characters in this movie and they're all important. Um, but between learning names and just being like engrossed in the character growth um, and just like what these people were doing and like why they were the way they were. Like I loved um, 
Clary and Weezer's relationship like that. When this morning, Katie asked me who my favorite character was. I'm like, fucking we- like Weezer. Duh. Like Weezer and Clary are amazing. Um, yeah. But like I-, I didn't give enough credit to the score. Like I was barely listening. But it was like it was perfect. The only thing I wrote down music wise was what is this honky tonk shit at this wedding? It's amazing. <laughs> so, it's so so good. Fun fact. Um, apparently that scene was not filmed with music. Those people are just dancing, like, and the music was all afterwards. What? Wow. Yeah. Yep. Now, I'm not saying, like, the one part where they're actually, like, breakdancing, where there's that actual, like, couple that's dancing and featured. Mm-hmm. But for the most most part of it, there was no music for that scene when they were filming. Wow. Wow. Well, what, about, that. I, what, what were your guys' thoughts about having a wedding at your parents' house and just... I guess it really wasn't a wedding. It was just a reception, but all of the madness of getting ready and setting up for a reception. I mean, that I feel like stress would be through the roof. Uh, Well, I think, I think, well, one, you're absolutely correct. And I, and, and what I think they do is they do such a good job of starting us off with that stress, right? You have the gunshots going off in the backyard the champagne glasses, Myrtle, the champagne glasses, they're broken. Hail. And then you have, <laughs> you have Shelby coming down the stairs. Mama, mama, uh, looks like a stuck or a stuck pig bled all over my hand. Right? Like it's, there's already so much in such a short amount of time. And that's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah. There was a lot of detail at the beginning of this movie. And I was like, normally I, when I do my notes, I'm sort of like stream of consciousness. And then if there's like, an actual thought I kind of have an, an opinion that I have. I'll pause it, write it down and keep going. I like at the beginning of the movie, I was cross-eyed like, Oh my God, there's all these people. And that's Sally Fields. That's Julie Roberts. All these people are important. What are they doing? Why are they doing it? I got to pay attention. Yep. Um, but like, once you get introduced to all these characters and you start like figuring out where they are in their story, like the, I, I really, really thought that Malin was going to just absolutely kill. Was it Spud? Is that her husband's dumb Spud. name? No, yeah. um, no drum. No drum. Drum. Yeah. Also, Corey, correct me if I'm wrong, but all the men with speaking lines in this movie are doofuses. Correct. Uh, one hundred percent. Every yes. Crazy how dumb they all are. Yep. And like Jack, Jack ended up being sort of a sweetheart, but like every time he spoke, much. every time he spoke, he was a doofus. And it honestly, it's kind of funny. Just seen all the men in the movie be idiots. Um, I lost my train of thought thinking about how much I did. Oh, Melanie was going to, I thought she was going to go off on drum and she absolutely didn't. She's like, honey, do you, do you mind not? And then they explain like 15 minutes later, like, ah, they're blanks. Like the whole time I'm thinking like, those bullets are going to come down. Like, what are they doing? Yeah. How is this a movie? No, 100%. I mean, she does she does such a good job throughout the whole movie of trying to hold it together, obviously until till towards the end, but and she does, right? She, but you can see that like you can essentially... oh it, my camera's frozen. Sorry guys. Um you can essentially see her grip uh ho- like uh holding her fist tight at her side, even though the camera's not on it, right? You can see that gripped fist. Well, okay, kind of going right into Malin's character. I at first, so okay. Um Shelby, is is it diabetes that Shelby had? Yes. Was there was there like anything else, or was it just like 
it was nothing just nothing that we're told i mean the only thing we're told is diabetes and that okay. she's special well i didn't know if it was like a, oh he's special or I like I, like I, think if I wrote down i wonder if she has type 3 diabetes that's i don't know, I don't know. I don't know if there's a type three, but like they made it sound like it was like she had super diabetes. Yeah. Like and a hybrid or something. Yeah. They, they yeah. And like Malin, like I kind of was not getting like she was kind of a bitch to Shelby. I mean, I hate to say that, but she she was. And I think it's because Malin didn't want Shelby to grow up and didn't want her to leave, didn't want her to keep her as her little girl. Mm-hmm. But it came across as like kind of a bitch, but I'm not going to jump ahead, but like the whole, you know, when, when she said she was pregnant and like how like upset she was, like how like unsupportive she was being. But then as soon as Jack jr. Came, it changed. Yeah. And and I I think it goes back to kind of what I just said a few minutes ago about, about Malin having to always be the one to hold it together. Right. I mean, you look at her two idiot brothers, um, not Malin's, but um, Shelby's idiot brothers and her husband, like Malin's the one keeping things together in that house. Right. And so to your point, here's her only daughter getting married. And while I think she's trying to be happy in the moment, everything else that's going on, obviously adding to her own emotional release of of the you know of her daughter is i i don't blame her right i mean um i i don't think i don't i don't think she realized she was being as cold kind of as she was i i agree with that i thought the scene um i in the beauty shop where she has the episode um like there was some crazy in melin's eyes in that moment and like i I can only imagine like afterwards, because like in the in the moment, I was like, God, she's like being a savage. They're all being savages. What's going on? Um, but she had crazy in her eyes when she was like, I'd like to see you try. Like yeah. that was that was nuts. And like afterwards, I stopped. I had to pause it because I was like, again, like this is an emotional movie. I stopped and I was like, holy shit, like how how often has that happened to the point that she is just that cold? And she knows, like, this is completely disassociated from my daughter. Like, whatever's happening right now, that doesn't matter. Like, this, it's it's go time. It's do or die. Um, yeah. It's got to be so scary for like a mom. I, I can only imagine. Well, and, and I think I think the um, the amount of times it happens or has happened is obvious at how calm essentially Malin is during it. Right? Everyone else mm-hmm. is hysterical, and Malin's like, I just need some juice. Right? Um, and then you have Weeza come in. Here's the juice, you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, and by the way, in that scene, my favorite thing is Shelby swats the glass of juice, and this much spills out the top. But when they show the floor, it's like a half gallon of juice on the floor. <laughs> yeah. How Anel well, cleaned they that up it a couple times. Like how Anel just took a towel and just like. Hmm. Like, it was the it was the most pathetic way to clean up any kind of mess. Yeah. But but Anel truly she was pathetic in the very beginning. I mean, especially at that wedding when she was coming in, you could tell she was you know, she stuck out, she didn't feel comfortable, she didn't want to be there. But did you guys notice her stealing rolls from the rolls? buffet? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Well, she's and- living over at Ruth Robeline's boarding house. I mean, what else is she gonna do? 
Where's your husband? I I, I don't know. Bunky, he's gone. <laughs> yeah, Bunky. God. Bunky, yeah. Um, I, I was sort of expecting to meet him sometime along the way, but um, so what what was your first impression of of um Dolly Parton's character Truby? Huge hair. I actually wrote down big ass hair. Dolly Parton can act. Yeah, dude. She's I awesome. Mean, she I I wrote this about Sally Fields, but it, it goes for Dolly Parton too. Just whatever character she plays, I believe. Now I know that yeah. might sound dumb that, you know, a big haired blonde lady would, would be a hairstylist, but like I felt like that looked like her actual job like she was not acting like Mm -hmm. and just she just i know she wasn't well i guess she was a mom but she just seemed motherly and like comforting to everybody yeah i thought she um like as a character the big hair side i really like that right off the bat you get the vibe that she is maybe not empaths the wrong word but she really gets a good read on people like she gets right away anel's good people there's a story, something is going yeah. on. We just got to figure out what it is. In the meantime, we got to take care of her. Yeah. No, I, I would agree. And I think I think that probably comes with her profession, right? As many people as she's had in her chair, um, you know, she um, she has that first impression, right? Mm-hmm. When someone first sits in her chair and then she has... Uh, time to test if her first impression was right or not based on, you know, as many times as they come back. And well, she, um, she probably also went through some things in her life too. So she's not going to be like, Oh, let's just kick this person to the curb. Like, Hey, let's, sure. let's find out what, what your story is. I think there's something more there because she, she, I don't know if she's all that happy with, you know, her marriage or her son. She made some comments about her son, like, you know, oh, he's, I can't remember what she said. It was something like, oh, he's just not right. Or where did I go wrong with him? Yeah. Yeah. And you were right with Spud, but it's Truby's husband, Brian, not Malin's. Spud is Truby's husband. Yeah. Drum. yeah that's right. Drum. Yep. Drum is drum. Malin's. Well, yeah. you guys know what this is a sequel for, right? <laughs> <laughs> Mario? No. <laughs> what is it? Okay. Follow me on this drum. Drum was kind of, I don't think he was all there. I mean, he was out in the yard. Yes, he was shooting blanks. He loves pork and beans. He shot fireworks into a tree. All of those things. That kind of tells me that he has some PTSD. Where did he get that from? He got that from a school in San Diego called Top Gun. Get the get out of my computer. He was <laughs> uh, sorry. Get I'm out. gonna I'm gonna just own it. I've seen Top Gun like twice. I'm gonna ask. So he was in Top Gun. Yes. He yeah. Was, okay. He was like the the instructor. <laughs> he was clearly in Vietnam as a fighter pilot. You know, left Vietnam. Then he started. You know, teaching Top Gun because he was one of the best fighter pilots in the in the world. But that PTSD started kicking in, so he went back home to to louisiana shooting blanks at birds (laughs) um i could see that 
I could see it. Um, such just a goober. go with it. You're such a goober. <laughs> so, so in that in that scene, so so we've mentioned that Anel shows up to the wedding, um, you know, looking uncomfortable. She's wearing a dress that um, that Shelby has lent her, mm-hmm. and I want to I want to talk about that scene when that discussion happens because they're walking out of the back of the beauty shop, and um, Shelby says to Weeza, "Oh, Miss Clary, what cute shoes!" And Weeza says, "You really think so?" Um, she goes, I'll probably give them away. And then, or no, and then Truby says, what size are they? I'll buy them from her. And then she goes, oh, um, Truby goes in a good shoe. I wear a size six, but a seven. So good. I buy a size eight. And then, mm-hmm. uh, Weezer says they're eight and a half and Truby goes perfect. And it's like, that bitch just went through four different shoe sizes and she's ready to buy them. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but what, um, so, and then at that moment we have Weezer walking across the street with her, her, her torn and tattered and beat up St. Bernard. And um, what I love about the scene, and as a kid, this this was some one of my favorite parts was they are stacking I know crate after crate, rack after rack, whatever you want to call it, of these hard-boiled eggs in the trunk. Like, and for those of you who haven't seen the movie, we're talking like 12, 17, 25 high, something obnoxious yeah. that this trunk is never going to close, right? Never. And they're stacking them there, right? In the worst way. In the worst way, yeah. But as a kid, I thought it was a, it looked beautiful, right? Um, but anyway, and then obviously the the trunk, like there's that moment where there's more the gunfire, the fireworks, the dog runs, trunk smashes, and all the eggs are, are, are wasted. Sad what a day. waste. What a waste of Easter eggs. So growing up, I know this is, uh, you know, we're coming up to Easter time. I'm guessing, did you guys die Easter eggs? We did. Yeah. The little, did you get the little, what's it called, pals kit? Where you set the egg in that, that super flimsy. Oh, the little spoon egg, thing? Egg dripper. Or My egg mom would buy the kit so we could get the little, um, uh, like, metal dippers Mm -hmm. and then the other fun stuff that went with it but we my mom always did um um boiling water vinegar and then actual like mccormick's food dye drops that's what we always used yeah so would you guys eat your dyed easter eggs afterwards while they were cold yeah well yeah 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 yeah. they've been sitting out see i my mom would we would dye easter eggs but we were never allowed to eat the dyed Easter eggs because in her mind, she thought that dye was going to kill us. Even though, I mean, you can put that in cookies, icing, but. But Hey, you know what? And listen, every, every, every mom did their own thing to, that they thought was best. Right. And that, that was one of hers. So not saying it's not weird as fuck, but it was, it was one of her. (laughs) Well, what else was she would do is, uh, she would hard boiled or she would boil eggs for an hour before she goes, okay, now they're done. My God. Yeah, they are. Yeah. And but, by the way, that's four times longer than they need to be boiled. 15 minutes is good. The yolk was like green because it was so overcooked. Oh yeah. But like in her mind, uh, that's how she was taught. And it was like, Oh, yep. This is guaranteed to be cooked all the way. So, yeah it's what you're used to it's what you grow up grow up with but 
No, it's true. I mean, we all have those things that our parents did that were like, what? <laughs> Speaking yeah. of weird stuff your parents do and Southern things, on a grilled cheese sandwich, do you guys put mayonnaise? I do now. And You're it, a psychopath. What? No, 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 no. Have you guys tried it? Yeah, my whole childhood. Way better without. Okay, wait. Are you talking about on the inside of the sandwich or the outside? Inside. Okay, no. I do not put it on the inside. I put mayo on the outside instead of, instead using of butter. butter, put it on the outside, and it gives you like a perfect golden crust. That, yeah. That, that, that has weight. Okay. That's yeah, I, I've done that. I don't do that, but I've done it. I just started doing that like two or three years ago, and it's turned up grilled cheeses. You ever make mm-hmm. bougie? You ever do a bougie grilled cheese? You do like some like charred tomatoes or like sun dried tomatoes, mm, onions, so good. bacon, little like basil maybe. There's, ooh, fucking pesto on the inside. Oh, you're mm. you're talking to the guy who takes two craft singles and then <laughs> that uh, I don't even know if it's called ham or if it's really a bologna, but it's made by Oscar Mayer. They call it ham but it has little cheese specks all throughout it. Oh, um, like olive loaf or like, um, it, yeah, it's like an olive loaf, but yeah. with cheese. That's how I make my grilled cheese. I ain't, I'm not sounds doing delicious. fancy bougie sounds ones. processed and sounds coming, delicious. Oh, Com- yeah. Coming from the man with your pizza oven. <laughs> yeah, right. You know, you know, but he cooks it in the pizza oven. That's the key too. <laughs> but, uh, um, I also remember as a kid, so my parents got me, it's, it was called the Perfect Pancake. I don't know if you guys have ever heard that. But basically, it's a double-sided skillet so that you put your pancake batter down, you cook one side, and instead of taking a spatula to flip the pancake, there's another skillet that's on the top, and you just flip the whole contraction over <laughs> so that you don't have to flip it's just it a with a spatula. Iron. Basically, yeah. Basically, yes. But yep, it's a waffle iron for pancakes. It's a pancake iron. Yeah. Yeah. But anyways, let's get back to the movie because so there's so much in this. Right before, so that scene that uh, we're just talking about with the eggs, just before that is when we see Weezer's character for the first time. And as a kid, and still to this day, there's the moment where. Um, after the eggs are smashed and their guns are going off, they all run back across the street. Weezer's pulling up the rear and um, a bird shits in her face as she's crossing the street. And she totally sticks out her tongue and makes the... And as a kid, and still to this day, I feel like her breath like would have smelled like ass. Like yeah. just... Anyway, so... Um, but then I love... Immediately it cuts to her in church like looking fabulous. Like... <laughs> Well, I didn't know at first if Queezer was going to be like, uh, like I actually wrote down Corilla Deville. Hang on, can you please continue to call her Queezer for the Queezer. rest of this podcast? <laughs> no, really, please call her Queezer. I love it. That's what I have written. That writ, I wrote that down, and that's what I'm going to call her. I'm okay with it, Queezer. Queezer. Tell me what, more about uh, Squeezer. No, <laughs> Squeezer. <laughs> Queefer? Uh, Reefer. Jesus. I'll just go fuck myself. <laughs> Please. As long as you squeeze her. 
Sorry, Justin. Go ahead. Um, I didn't know if she was going to be a villain of the movie, but I, because they they really played it up like she was a real bitch. Yeah, I think she tried to. Be, she definitely tried to be a real bitch, and she, you know, at the end of she the was movie, a softy. Yeah, for sure. At the end of the movie, like she, like when she has her little monologue about being, you know, the only reason people like me is because I got more money than God and or the only reason people are nice to me, whatever. And then talking about like, I'm an old woman. I'm supposed to wear shitty clothes. Stupid and, clothes and grow tomatoes. Yeah. Like yep. she, she was trying so hard to be someone she wasn't. And at the end of the movie when, you know, she and I think his name was Owen. Yeah. Owen yeah. Jenkins. Um, you know, they're canoodling or whatever you want to call it in polite southern speak tips hat in cowboy um you know she's she's squit with the facade she just is who she is and i think that's one of the reasons this movie is so neat is because everybody finds their way separately but with each other's help and it's neat and I, and I think she's someone who over time has built up this wall around her for for whatever reason right and has just kind of just like and and also I think there's something to be said about women of that age who who I think specifically for me I feel like women as they get older um there becomes more of a I'm just going to be who I want to be I'm tired of impressing people I'm tired of pretending to be something I'm not for somebody else x y and z and it's a real um sort of uh, zero fucks given approach like I'm just going to be me which is which is very I think uh um you know, inspiring, but, um, but O'Brien, I think you hit it on the head as far as, um, as far as that goes. I also think that women of that, of her age bracket, you know, what in 89, let's say she was what late sixties, early seventies, yeah, maybe. So agree. she, she lived through world war two, like as an adult. True. So yeah. like she, she's seen some, she's seen the world changed thrice over. Um, and, I, I think that it's it's just crazy to think about all the stuff that people of that generation have seen, had yeah. seen. And, you know, I'm sure that had that and her two deadbeat husbands and ungrateful three children or whatever it was. Um, I can't remember the wh- quote. One uh, one thing I'd like to to bring up is. To talk about if you didn't if you didn't know what year this movie was made and you didn't know what fashion and hair and all that looked like of the 80s, I think one of the biggest giveaways um, was when the actor who you didn't mention, Brian, in your intro, Dylan McDermott, who I plays... I only mentioned the women. I oh, only, sorry. Sorry. I only no mentioned the women. Well, in all fairness, I think he's the only real notable guy at the end of the day. Like... <laughs> That dude's a stud. Um, But when he creeps in the window when Shelby's taking a bath and she's like, Jackson, get out of here. And he's like, that VCR alone is worth, you know, whatever. It's like the VCR on their wedding registry is like the hot item. Like, I love it. Well, see, I was thinking about this and you could definitely tell that when this movie came out by the hair, by the style, by. But I have I, I think this. So. I feel like at that time, everybody had big hair. And when big hair was big, we were all younger. And I can remember thinking like a 25-year-old was so old as a kid. Oh, yeah. So 
Now, when I see this, I think, oh, my God, these are just people that are so much older. But, like, Julia Roberts now looks younger, I feel like, than she did in this movie because of the that the big hair. hairstyle. Yeah, for sure. But I, I, I'm not a big fan of the big hairstyle until Shelby cut all of her hair off. And I was like, God, she looks terrible. But yeah. <laughs> I thought I, I thought she looked like um, when she played Tinkerbell. She oh did. yes, yes. She looked like a, just a, a shitty Tinkerbell bell haircut. Tinkerbell, yeah. She didn't hurt Tinkerbell. Well, filming no. on that overlapped, so she had to. <laughs> she had to, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, 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 no. You're absolutely right. You're well, absolutely right. I loved it too. How? What was her two colors? Uh, it wasn't blush and, and bashful. Blush and bashful. <laughs> Not missing a beat, Corey. <laughs> but I was like, "Oh, I have that." Oh, nope. How elaborate they had the church decorated in blush and bashful. That they killed it. And it looked then, like the sanctuary has been hosed down with Pepto Bismol. Yes, it looked like the my, inside of my stomach. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite, but, uh, my favorite decoration was the like as I was thinking about like, wow, these people are all just a bunch of Southern bells. Oh, look, pink bells. <laughs> of yeah. course, there are. Well, what about the giant hats that bridesmaids wore? Yeah, I and mean, the fact that there's nine bridesmaids. Like, oh holy shit. Well, did you realize? My wife had 13. Really? <laughs> yeah. Wow. I had, thir- I had 13 groomsmen. Yeah, it felt like Lucky. being in on a parade. <laughs> it was a good time. You had fun. Shut up. Um, It was a very nice day. It was a great day. Um, Shout out to my buddy Colin. Uh, <laughs> he knows why. Um, if, if he's alive, he is. Um, it's all a week ago. But did you guys notice one of her brothers wasn't standing up with the groomsmen, but the one brother was sitting down, one was standing up, and I wonder <laughs> yes. why that went. It like part of the one was a groomsman, one was sitting with the. Yeah, well, I, I think one. It's because he's younger. I thought. Uh, well, I I don't think there's that much age difference. Um, to your point, I, he could be younger. I think it was more just back then. It was definitely, I, I don't know if there was such a, um, uh, attempt to have, Hey, you know, I have a brother, like he should be your groomsman. I think it was very much like the groom picked his groomsman different time, you know, yeah. type thing. Yeah. Different, well, different time. Something that I thought was interesting and it, and it shows how much time has changed. They like. They had the reception. They everybody danced, but like everybody wasn't focused on getting hammered at the reception. They were all doing like they were line dancing they're or doing, whatever the they're hell doing that lines. was. Missed opportunity. But I I thought it was interesting how they Shelby and uh, Jackson they like left before the reception was done, and it, I just I I kind of thought that was I was like okay is this have has things changed since my wedding or because like we partied all night i mean and everybody got hammered no i i i don't i don't know if it was common necessarily for the bride and groom to leave before the reception was over but i do know it was common for them to leave that same night like for them to change like actually we just celebrated um uh my husband's parents 50th wedding anniversary and congrats there's pictures of them like completely changed out of their wedding gear, 
like leaving the church, like like leaving after the reception. Like that was very much a thing. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I, I don't know if they specifically started their honeymoon right away, but that was that was a thing. And so they like went to the airport, or whatever. So, so from an emotional standpoint, this is this is, I think, the first emotional moment we have in the movie. For me, at least the biggest first emotional moment is um, uh, Shelby is talking to her mom in um, in her what I'm assuming is her bedroom upstairs. Um, and her mom's helping her put on her boutonniere on her her pink blazer she's wearing. And. Shelby has that. I love you, mom, but like, I'm ready to go. Like I'm ready. Like I'm ready to go. Thanks. And there's just such a heart pull from Malin, Shelby's mom, like wishing her the best, but like wanting to just hang on to that moment forever. Wanting her to be that little girl. Like we yeah. said earlier, like yeah. not, but I, I do feel like, um, I, I, I like my experience I feel like from both my parents, it was like it was it was hard for them to see, you know, their kid grow up, get married, you know, move sure. out on their own. Like, like I can remember my mom said like something like I was like 30 years old and she was like, I really thought you would move back, move back home. I'm like, why the fuck would I move back home? Like, yeah, no. <laughs> And my no, that that like, was her. That was her saying. I hoped you would because I wanted more time with you. That's what and, that is. And my dad's in a background like you're never moving back home. Don't even think about it. It's not an option. Yeah. Like it, it. They both love me the exact same. But it's yeah. That mom, she she's always gonna have that connection with their daughter, son. You know. But I did like how this movie was kind of a. It wasn't like, hey, fast forward six months. It was just it like just happened. It just happened. And you had to pay attention. But um, I loved the Christmas fest and mm -hmm. just. I don't know how. I don't know. It just it felt like small town. It just felt yeah. like kind of poke hokey. And I well, I thought it was it did have a small town feel, but it was also like much nicer than any fair or festival I've ever been to like i'm used to carnies being weird carnies but well i'm used know. to the chris kindle market when it's fucking <laughs> gold and fucking <sighs> silver everywhere i love chris kringle market i love how silver it's always fucking... what silver easter i get it cracking like a bad back bitch talking hey, she the queen when she sorry what <laughs> <laughs> this is when we get to see NL's like second transformation. Yeah, when she goes from uh, she basically turns into uh, Grease Lightning. I was yes. she was she like Dolly Dolly Junior. Totally, total. Well, and that's the thing is that you can tell that like as she as, opened as, up, she felt more like herself, and Dolly was not in a bad way, but rubbing off on her. I don't think she felt. I don't. I don't know if she felt like herself because like her arc ended in a, a weird, very Christian-y place. And I, I feel like she came from that as well. I so think I she like... was just completely lost, though. She was just trying to find something to stick to. So it was like, hey, I'm going to try out, you know, maybe the the cat lady kind of my husband just left me then she turned into <laughs> the glasses that's such a good show but wait oh well that's hanging no, no no that's the that's after grease lightning but then she turns into the you know the grease lightning 
But then oh, yeah, yeah. it's like, okay, maybe this is where I want to go. But then it turned into, no, I think I want the Holy Spirit in my life. And I, I think, I think Brian's, I think you're both right. I think Brian's right in the sense that she had that religious underpinning that was always there. I think Truvy, you're absolutely right that she was Truvy Jr. for a while because you can tell that she let her hair down, was Truvified, right? We can call it that. And I think at the end of the day, there, there hit a point where she was like, this isn't really who I am. I need to get back to like my roots type thing, right? And, and because the Anel we end the movie with is very much the Anel we started the movie with, but with more confidence, exactly. right? Exactly, 100%. Um, yeah. And, but I, but I think it's, so this, this is actually a very interesting um, observation because as someone who's watched this movie since I was a kid, um, I never thought about her being like Truvy Jr. But the minute you said that, I'm like, duh, right? I mean, I always, I always observed the transformation, right? Um, well, something that I notice real quick, and it's, it's with all that Christmas scene, when Shelby is telling her mom that she's pregnant, there is Christmas glasses on the table. My wife and I, we have those exact Christmas glasses. Do you really? Yes. And they're from, you know, I think they're from her parents who are from grandparents. But like that, I feel like all of our parents have the Christmas decorations from their parents that are all yeah. from like the 70s and the 80s. And mm -hmm. we yeah. have everything from Target. <laughs> so so i love i love that scene when they're at the carnival the festival um and i have no freaking clue I, it's a crawfish boil or some shit as a kid as an adult i'm enamored by that like contraption that's going back and forth that like shrimp and corn cobs and all this stuff is falling out of and truby's scooping it up and like just giving it to them i think that's amazing Sorry, I was worried about Justin. <laughs> we can cut that. Make a note. You did this, cut. and then I was like, I think that's we're fine. No, I'm no, so sorry. Amazing. I was trying to I... get Justin's attention because, like, I didn't want him cough it into the mic so no. hard. Um, <laughs> poor guy. Um, but no, I like. I... Oh my god. Dumb, dumb question. Dumb question that we can yeah, hop but... right back into talking about the crawfish boil. Do you guys prefer a crawfish boil? Or a shrimp boil. I've never done. I've never had either. Really, Brian? Have you? I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with shrimp because I understand shrimp. I've had a crawfish boil, also great, but sucking the heads bit. That seems like sure it's tasty, but to what? Like to what end though? I crawfish are too much work. I'm not Agree. a big fan of taking the head off, sucking it. Like yeah, shrimp is definitely the way to go. But Corey, this amazes me that you've never had either one. Do you? Do you like Cajun food? I do. Um, the thing of it is, is just I haven't been around a um, a moment to do that. Um, I'm surprised by that. <laughs> um, no, I just I have not had the right opportunity. Right, I'm not going to do it at Universal Studios and their like little their little crawfish boil. Like, I want I want to do the real thing, right? And that's where I think I've I've um, I just haven't done it. Right. That's just that just is what it is. I'm not opposed to it. I just haven't done it. You should try it. It's it's I think they're great. I, like I, said, I just fun. need the right moment. I need I need yeah. to have, you know, go to Louisiana and do it. Yeah. Um, 
so so anyway, that that whole scene where they everybody kind of reconnects and then um we find out that Weezer has finally bought the radio station KPPD. Wait, wait, wait. wait. I thought Clarice or Clary bought it. I'm sorry, Clary, Clary, sorry. I'm I'm um I am talking about yes, Clary bought the KPPD, but then I'm going into the transition of right after that, they're in the locker room. So many dicks and butts. Fav- there's so many dicks and butts. <laughs> Which yet again is why I love this movie as a kid. Um, <laughs> the um, honey, I knew it was. Wait, I knew it in, was, I, in I your was... version, there was dicks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, they're there. I mean, based on Weezer's face, there's dicks, um, and that's what I love is in that scene is her face. Bob, would you call this color grape or aubergine? <laughs> well, we there's there's nothing wrong with this, but you could tell this was a girl movie when they were in the locker room and they're like. So tell me about your uniforms. Like, yeah. And then, well, Weezer, Weezer points that out immediately. She immediately calls her out for that because she's like, it's stupid and you're stupid. Well, like, yeah, cool. well, that's exactly what I said. Um, Weezer, or uh, Clarice says, Bob, would you call this color grape or aubergine? And then Weezer's like, shut up. And then you're making a fool of yourself. It's just this whole, like, nobody cares about that grape shit. You know, it's, yeah. Weezer's very just to the point, like nobody gives a shit and you're making a big deal out of this over nothing, right? Meanwhile, meanwhile, um, Weezer's enjoying all of the dicks and ass that are walking past her. Like, yeah, she's having the time which, of her life. And I don't blame her, I'm just saying. I love, <laughs> okay. I love that she's like, I'm the color commentator. And then not only did she do color commentating, but she was also commenting on the colors. Like, yeah. that's just... <laughs> I, oh my God, I laughed. If I was like a, one of those players in a locker room, I, I don't know. No, I don't, <laughs> I don't know if I would just like openly walk by this old lady that's sitting down right at dick level. Like, you don't care. Cause you know what? You know, you look better than she does. So it's fine. Yeah. And you just won the game, the state game. Yeah. You won the all city championship. The all city, all, how many high schools can there be in a parish? So, um, I don't know. Two? After yeah, this it's, scene... It's a strong rival. After this scene, we actually go into Malin's house, uh, which is where Justin just referenced the glasses. Yeah. And Malin is in the kitchen, cracking eggs, making something for the holidays. And in this moment is when Shelby tells her mom that she's going to have a baby. And up to this point, um, everything from the doctors has been said, basically like you shouldn't have a baby. You shouldn't have a baby. You shouldn't have a baby based on the fact that she's diabetic and her condition, you know, and anything else that we don't know, but, but the movie drives it as her diet, her, her being diabetic is the reason why she shouldn't do this. And you see the joy in Shelby's face, the pure joy. And you see the life drain out of Malin when she tells her. Yeah. It it really it was upsetting because Shelby was so excited, you know, didn't think she was ever going to be able to have a baby. Yeah. And it it, it was bittersweet for Malin because she was she was upset because she knew the risk, but I feel like she was also very, very happy and excited. It just it just I don't it was know, a, man. I, 
I think I, she was after when you see Jack Jr., how she acts towards him. But After, yeah. for sure. Like a year and a half later, after that conversation, sure. But I think in the moment, it was just pure dread. It was like, you fool, what have you done? And like, I get it from Shelby's perspective. I mean, she says as much like, no judge is going to give me a baby with my medical history. And that's that's an awful situation. You know, you want to start a family. What are you going to do? And isn't it kind of dramatic to think that you can't adopt a child because you have diabetes? Well, I mean, let's, let's be honest. In 1980, exactly. Like, of was time, diabetes? I, and I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that was. But I think at the end of the day, it's the reality of. I I, I don't know. I'm yet again I'm making a sweeping generalization yeah. based on nothing. Is the idea of are you able to care for the child, or do you have anything that would get in the way of you caring for the child, whether you know criminal um, uh, addiction or just natural occurrence right if you're a narcoleptic right like could you adopt a child i don't know yeah, right I don't know. um but one of my favorite quotes for this home so this is this is sort of the second big emotional moment we have in the movie is this mm-hmm. this this play back and forth between malin and shelby because shelby is so happy and her mom is so unhappy about this decision and all shelby's looking for in that moment is is acceptance and she knew her mom was going to be tough. She knew, I think she knew what she was going to get into, but I don't think she anticipated it to the degree that it did. And the thing of it is with, um, with that, there's, there's in this scene, Malin storms off to the guest bedroom. Shelby follows her. And it's one of my favorite quotes from the whole movie is Shelby says, I would rather have 30 minutes of special than a life. Or I'd rather have 30 minutes of wonderful than a lifetime of nothing special. And it gives me it gives me chills saying this because it's so true as as adults and where we're at in our life right now that if I, I, I just think it's it's just so true. Yeah, you know, once you've seen seen a bit of life, I think I think that's true for a lot of folks where you you know you'd give up a lot just for you know half an hour either yeah. with with someone. Or, you know, with someone who, who you can't be with anymore or just yep. for like that little bit of happy that, you know, you don't get to enjoy anymore in and, your day to day. And I think I think in that moment, Justin, I think that's the first time that I think Shelby got through to Malin because Malin has had the joy of a lifetime so far with Shelby and and what yeah. that feels like where where I think that's the first time that it might it might hit Malin that. Her daughter's never going to have that. So if her daughter's sitting there saying she'd be happy to have 30 minutes versus nothing. I mean, mean, if you think about it, this is a classic Gen X movie. This is a movie about the battle between mom and daughter and the daughter just wanting to be accepted for like. This is what she has, but she mm -hmm. doesn't want to let it stop her, whereas Malin wants to like we talked about just keep her as a little girl and i feel like yep. that was the battle that gen xers had yep um so so right after this we move into it, it's a time hop um it's fourth of july they're outside and obviously shelby's had the baby and fun fact for this scene it's it's jack jr's birthday and jack jr is sitting on what's supposed to be uh shelby's lap um, and what you don't know is that that isn't actually Shelby in the picture or in the, um, 
in the in the clip because if you notice if you go back we never see shelby's face in that clip it's neck down and it's jack jr on what's supposed to be shelby's lap but apparently the kid was like losing its mind <laughs> and it had to have its real mom there for that scene so it's the real mom holding jack jr holding jack jr in that scene but you never see shelby's face in that scene at all it's neck down the whole time that's wild. Interesting. Yep. yep. Body doubles, man. That's yep. wild. Um, look, thinking back, yeah, you're right. But you never see her. And then right after that, um, uh, Malin's getting ready to go to Truvies, which, by the way, I fucking love that it is um, like Fourth of July, and Malin's like, "I'm gonna go get a haircut. I'm gonna go get my nails done." Yep. Right? <laughs> Deuces. And they all. Oh, we do. got people over. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Bye. And so. Well, uh, well, talking about this part, I had to ask, I had to ask my wife. I go, are they putting mayo in 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 uh, Clary's hair? And she goes, yeah, that used to be a thing that uh, that women used to do. And I was like, mayonnaise. Okay. So, I I don't know if it has something to do with like the healthy in- oils, hair. like it, yeah, yep. Because yep. I do know like egg yolks help uh, with like dry skin. And I mean, that's and basically all mayo is egg yolk and o- eggs and oil. Yeah. I mean, um, no, the, it, she's right. It is. It was a thing. Um, so then um, Malin's off to Truby's to get her hair done. Shelby decides I want to go too. I want to I want to do something different. Makeover X, Y and Z. They show up at um, at Truby's salon. And this is the first time now that we see. Anel is back to what she kind of was at the beginning, but a little bit different. And that, that's kind of like we said earlier. She has a little bit more confidence, but she is totally back in this sort of um, she school mom, all the time. like school teacher, Bible teacher, Sunday school teacher facade, right? Yeah. Um, and this is the time that Shelby sits down and she's like, I just... I forget exactly what she says, but she's like, I want it short. I want to, I want to run my, with Jack Jr. With Jack Jr. I don't have time. I just want to run my fingers through it. Right. Yeah. She's a simple, I think is what she said. She's supposed to simplify things. Look how thick her hair is. I mean, she had a giant head of cabbage on her head. And I, okay, this is, this is something that, this is something that we all and our viewers and slash listeners, only listeners, um, need to fact check me on after this is if I remember correctly, and this, this, like I said, I'm so wrong. I'm so sorry if this fact is wrong. Should have taken notes, man. Um, Just kidding. It's not in the movie, but I think I'm going to get crossed off with something else. So I'm not even going to say it. <clears throat> Moving on. So I had, Shelby, I had, Shelby, I had you so set up. I was going to roast you, whatever nope. you said. <laughs> Nope. I think what I was doing. So, so actually, run, I was, was going to say, I'll just, okay, I'll head. say it now. I'll say it now. What, what I was going to say run. is that the actual, um, the actual, uh, reveal of Shelby's hair was a real thing that she had her hair cut, but that's not the case. I'm getting that confused with Les Mis and Anne Hathaway when her hair was actually shaven. For that was like a sake. real thing. Sorry. Go. You wanted it to be true. That was wishful thinking. I know. I know. Sorry. But I I appreciate it. You could. We could run with it. It could be true. I, I didn't said, see, fact check me. Yeah, Slide it in my DM. Tell me I'm right but or wrong. I did. 
I know we've already talked about it. I did not think she looked good with short hair. What's it, it takes grew on me like that first. It takes a scene... specific woman in style to pull off short hair, but women who do it correctly are very pretty. Like Halle Berry, like she would look yes. weird with long more. hair. It, exactly. Like Natalie Portman. Yeah. Whatever that girl is from Twilight. Um, and it's just it's just such a stark difference no. too. Edward Cullen. No, that's his. I mean, Eric's name. It'd be like Dolly, right? Take we have Dolly's two hair. podcasts going on right now. <laughs> oh my God. Take God Dolly's hair and chop it off and give her like exactly. Jamie Lee Curtis, right? It wouldn't oh, work. No. no. Yeah. Um, no, she needs that hair to balance the rest of her. So yeah. so in this scene is when this, um, Weezer the walks in. Come. Yeah, Weezer walks in. And, and Brian, you said it earlier about Weezer and... Yeah, where she says, the, um, you know, she's just... She comes in wearing like gardener's clothes woman. and i honestly like i went a long time in this movie without knowing some like i feel like key pieces of information about the story i didn't really figure out that it was in louisiana i knew it was in the south i didn't know where until they mentioned chickapin parish i'm like parish that's got to be in the bayou there's no way so Her i knew name it was there. didn't give it give i it thought away. it was i thought it was weezer like the band because oh, she smokes okay. a lot i'm like or queezer <laughs> Squeezer, squeezer, you know, we do, who knows really to this day. Um, no, the, con- um, the, con- the car decorated with Confederate flags didn't give it away. <laughs> oh, this is right now, Detroit, Michigan. Know. It could have been, <laughs> um, could have just been Georgia. I don't know. I get it. I get it. But, uh, I, I didn't know that she was loaded for a long time either. And like, it makes sense now that I think about it. Cause she went from looking like garbage to like really nice clothes. But I sort of just assumed because everybody was in super nice clothes that maybe that's just the Southern Sunday thing. But sure. when she sits down in that, in that chair and like starts to like decompress belches after her Coke. Yeah. Like she's an absolute savage. I love her. Um, but like, like I said, she, zero fucks given. Not even no. n- none left. None. And Claire's the only one who ever like is able to call her out on it. Clary. Uh, Clary, yes. sorry. Um, but yeah, it, I, I love I'll say it again, I love their relationship. Yeah. Yeah, they I loved how they bicker with one another, but they I mean, all of them love each other. I mean yeah. it, it it is such a good group of and even even with Anel being funky now, right? Because it's, it's in this moment, um, both after they get their hair done, both Malin and Shelby say they want like a full full day's beauty. And and Shelby's like, or um, Truby's like, I don't even know what I would charge for that. She goes, I'm gonna paint my door and call myself Elizabeth Arden, right? And <laughs> the thing of it is, is so so, um, Truby sends Anel to go get some cuticle oil, right? And when she's gone, that's when Truby spills the tea and is like, um, yeah, things haven't been the same since Mardi Gras, you know, and and now she's she's reverted. Right. Because everyone's like, what the fuck's going on with Anel? Because she was cool and now she's not again. Right. And and doesn't um, Truby make some comment like, oh, she prays at the drop of a hat. Yeah. Or something like yep. that. Yep. She prays at the drop of a hat these days. Yep. Um, because because something is said. Oh. Something is said beforehand, and and it's actually just before um, Truby asks her to go get the cuticle nails. She like prays, like over by the refrigerator. Um, but I want to take. Sorry, I'm 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 narrating, but I want to take a step back. I love the part where they're talking about. Uh, Clary says, Clary says, all gay men are named Mark, Rick, or Steve. 
That's what her all nephew. gay men have track Latin. And then Weezer walks in and she goes, how are things? She goes, oh, good. I'm enjoying my, I, I got a new track Latin in the foyer. And she's like, oh, you do? She goes, my grandson installed it. And she's like, oh, how is he? Steve's fine, right? I mean, it's just <laughs> this, this, and everybody's in on a joke except her, right? I mean, like, mm-hmm. and Weezer, Weezer, or no, I'm um, sorry, um, Clary just has this, like, I told you so look, right? Like a very, you know, mayonnaise in her hair, saran wrap, you know, like, <laughs> as yeah. regal as you, as regal as you can be in that moment, right? <laughs> well, I, I, this might be jumping ahead just slightly, but talking about Anel's character being her, her very religious person i love it when they show her and sammy coming home from the grocery store and anel opens a refrigerator and she goes is this a beer and then she goes and she open like only finds one beer and she takes it cracks it open and pours it out and i love it. god damn it god damn it nail he ends with Jesus Christ. <laughs> what did you say? Yeah, I took the Lord's name in vain. Like, <laughs> God damn it. But I think like... we should pray. And he's like, I'd rather eat dirt. <laughs> <laughs> like, they, they, sorry, yeah. Justin, I'm stealing your thunder. But, but no. it is so funny because that is so, like, you could tell he likes a nail. And he has since day one when he sh- when he served her that cherry coke at their wedding. Best cherry coke, Best cherry ever. coke ever. Which no, I'm sorry, grenadine is not a fucking cherry coke. Shove it up your ass. Not happening. Um, but hey, hey, wait, whoa, whoa. He could have had maraschino cherries there. He didn't. You don't nope. know. It's a bar. Nope. That gap in his teeth tells me he did not have oh, maraschino he cherries. He did look like a it. vampire from the Lost Boys. But... Yep. But I love that at that point he's like, you know what? I just wanted some fucking beer. You can pray your head off. I would rather eat dirt. Like <laughs> Jesus Christ. Like it just seems so innocent, but so just I don't know. It made me laugh. But I know we're oh, jumping I love it. ahead. No, because, no, no. It's fine. I love it. Well, love the it. reason did you guys notice when Okay, I don't want to jump too far ahead. Fast forward, the next scene is is when we find out Shelby has to have a procedure done. Well, hang and on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. First. So, so we find out about the dialysis being needed because as Truvy is getting ready to do her manicure, she flips Shelby's wrist over and the veins on Shelby's arm are like bulging, huge, bruised, gross, whatever. And I have to say, I loved Malin's response in this moment because... Um, Weezer comes in, she's like, my God, looks like someone's been driving nails up your arm. And and Shelby says, should we tell him, Mama? And Malin says, Shelby has been driving nails up her arm. Like, it's like the, like, <laughs> that's exactly what this innocent bitch is doing, right? Like, like I, I just, that was so unexpected from Malin, but I love that we got it from her. Yeah, I think that was, that was an indication that, like, she had sort of relinquished the control over her daughter and was now yes. just happy to have time with her. Yes. Especially as we then learn they're having a very, they both of them are having a very major surgery the next day. Lynn giving um, Shelby her kidney, one of her kidneys, which that, I mean, that's a big thing to do for 
Anybody. Anybody. Like that's that's significant. Scary stuff. So the fact that they're kind of laughing in the face of this adversity and this, you know, trauma that they're about to go through, um, they're just enjoying that that thirty sec that thirty minutes of wonderful or yep. however long it was. You know? Yep. They're beautiful. Agreed. Oh, Justin, I can't hear you. I said I was actually on Team Drum when they move into the night scene where they're like cracking jokes about getting a like getting an organ transplant. Like <laughs> they had some good jokes, but I get where Drum was coming from of like, sure. hey, you can't joke about this. Like this is this is a major procedure. Like, well, some- but I would have roasted him the exact same but, way. Like this is the guy who shot it. You know, Corey, this guy's a putz. But, but no, no, he well, he is a putz. But here's the difference. So Malin has had way more time to process this than Drum, right? Shelby told Malin first, right? And at least we assume. And to your point, there's just been a lot more time with her. And I think the 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 um, beauty salon and all these other things has given Malin more time. Number one, number two. I think there's something that is incredibly precious about the relationship between a mother and their child that no father will ever understand. And I think that's where there's a disconnect between drum being a putz and also just sort of, I don't know if he knows how to be a good father to a daughter. I'm not saying he's a bad dad. I just don't know if he has that same like bond with his daughter as he probably does his sons. And so in a moment where, he, I don't know if he feels guilty or if he feels like he should be very compassionate. It's really hard for him to, I think, joke in that moment. I think he's just not great with emotion. I mean, a lot of, you know, just stereotypical men of that era. I mean, even today, you know, guys have a hard time expressing emotion yeah. in a healthy way. So, like, I doubt – like, they couldn't have just sprung on him. Like, hey, tomorrow we're doing kidney transplants and uh, it's coming out of your wife and going into your daughter. Cool. See him. Like, that wasn't – he would have had to have known and you know night before the decisions made you gotta like you just gotta just enjoy the moment and i think that he just let his emotion probably get the better of him well and and i think you said it too is that he has to be there for both of them Mm -hmm. right Uh, so so yeah i I agree heavy stuff Real, real consequences in this movie. That's the thing is like every time because I didn't, you know, Justin, I think you were in the same boat, never having seen this movie, um, not knowing really anything about it going in. I I didn't read anything. I didn't. I I was told it was sad at the end where it was going. And I watched one trailer right before I watched the movie because I'm like, I want to know what vibe I'm getting. Like, am I going in for comedy? And the tagline was the funniest movie that will ever make you cry, which I thought was a weird sentence then. And I do now, but it's also true. Like it's a, it's a very funny movie, but very real consequences, like real drama. And, and what I love about it too, is it is so real. Like none of this, mm-hmm. none of this movie seems like, Oh, that could never happen. Every bit of this movie is realistic, right? Yeah. There's nothing here. That's, that's inflated. Uh, yeah, so 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 after after that, so, I don't I actually don't know where it falls in the timeline, but I think we're right there is because um, Shelby's not there, but there is a 
essentially like a wedding uh, shower bachelorette party for Anel at Truvy's. It's a Halloween themed party. And she walks in and there's this there's this whole, you know, surprise, blah, blah, blah. But it's that's I think it's the same scene where they're also getting <laughs> my favorite is is Clary is goes over to the toilet and the doors open and you hear Clary go. Oh, um, Henry, wait, hang on. Um, oh, my God. Hang on. Is uh, this when you see her talking is, on the toilet? Yes. Yeah, this is after the hospital scene. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, okay. we're getting there. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. If no, you know you're the timeline, go for it. Yeah, well, um, so after, you know, that dinner scene and everything, like, I thought there was a neat scene. And again, Claire and Weez are my favorite. So I really liked their sh- solo shopping scene where Weez was like, I shouldn't said that thing about body image or whatever. And she's just feeling real like just like such a bitch and feeling really bad about always being in a shitty mood and clary's just like dude don't don't sweat it nobody listens to you when you talk <laughs> and i just like well, yeah like what a, <laughs> what a yeah, nobody savage cares. like she's well that's she's that so shows their relationship yeah 100 percent. but did you notice that mrs bordeaux was eating twinkies in the grocery store mm-hmm what a total vibe, right? Like, what a total vibe. I will say, I've never eaten in a grocery store, but I absolutely will walk in. And and this, I will admit, it was pre-COVID. Um, and there was, like, the case of, like, drinks. And I would absolutely grab something, pop it open, if I knew I was going to be there in a while, and, like, drink it as I shopped. That sure. was not uncommon. But not eating. Well, yeah. I loved it how they were loading up on the pork and beans, because that's, Drum likes pork and beans, but... Clary, we're not feeding drum to the end of time. Well, did you notice back in the Christmas scene, Malin went to the pantry and a pantry was loaded full of pork and beans? Yes. He eats it with everything. Yeah. It that's that's the southern ways, but um But then there's the hospital scene. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. Well which hospital scene? Like the where first one where she's just, working. They're all, yeah, they're all in the no, they're all in the waiting room. No, um, she's working. After she has after the the tr- surgery goes well. Surgery goes and well. Then things then Halloween. kind of get back to normal ish. They show they show Shelby like wrapping up a shift at work. That's about the same time as that uh the wedding shower. Was it the just wedding after. shower? Yeah, yeah it was the wedding uh, they, shower. Yeah. But then, then we kind of would you guys say the surgery was that was the climax? Like, then the movie started kind of going down, wrapping up ish. Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't call two. it the climax, I would call it the last moment we see humor. Yeah, yeah really, that's really, when it turns. Like, that's yeah, act three was well, the sad show. You could tell that Shelby wasn't. Right, even at that end of her shift at the hospital, because she had the, wobbles. she had the wobbles, and then she asked her coworker to like, I think it was like go grab her bag or go grab her coat or it was something very minor, but like you could tell like, hey, something's something's not right. 
And then, you know, they, they go to the whole part where it's her Shelby and Jackson and Shelby, you know, has a, I'm guessing an episode of some sort, but that that's what leads her into, you know, really the end and the, the, you know, yeah. Yeah. I, I thought it was like sort of clever and like it was, it was emotional. I wasn't too wrapped up in, in why directors made this choice, but were there like, they're in the hospital and you just hear doctor murmurs and it's just rejection of the kidney. Coma may be irreversible. And you're like, Oh, that's what's happening. Yeah. Cause the whole time you're just going, well, what's going on? Like, is she okay? Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. And so, but I think in between there or right around there is when we have, there's like one final scene at the, at Truvy's. Um, Malin's not there, I don't think. And, and Shelby's not there. Um, and that's the one where. So it's just a normal day, like the. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the other like the whole 95 games together. <laughs> Yeah. Shocker. Wait, you all scheduled your hair appointment yeah. <laughs> for the same day? And you don't have cell phones? What? And so there's a part where um Clarice's on the toilet and she goes, Anne Boleyn had six fingers. Yep. And then Weezer goes, Who's Anne Boleyn? And Clarice goes, Anne Bolin, one of the six wives of Henry the Eighth. And then she goes, What happened to the other four? And Clarice goes, She had eleven total. <laughs> and <laughs> And uh, and Weezer goes, you trying to confuse me, Clary? And this is the second time in this movie where Clary is really bad with numbers, right? The whole shoes. In a good shoe, I wear a size six. You know, uh, well, I guess that was Truvy. But either way, we have this moment of bad with numbers. And even as an audience member, you're thinking, wait, what? <laughs> what? Yeah. What did she just say? That's crazy. I didn't notice that. Yes, I thought that was funny though. Their their banter always just cracked me up. I wrote down in that scene, um, Weezer is so crotchety, so stubborn, <laughs> just because she like she's just always so grumpy about everything. And was that the scene where? Oh, he had the the silly little mustache. Yes, uh, yes. Plus. And and getting um, it waxed off. And she goes, uh, because Clarice says. You know, Weezer, you'd be much a much more pleasant, contented person if you and and Weezer's like, I am pleasant. Damn it! I just saw a drum eating this this morning at the Piggly Wiggly, and I smiled at the son of a bitch for I could help myself. And that's the moment where we see Weezer break and is like, Don't tell me I'm not pleasant. Don't tell me who I am. And it, it, it's that moment I think going back to what you said, Brian, about um. Uh, she's just who she is, but but we we she puts up a facade, right? And oh, yeah. so so right away that facade is that she's not pleasant or not, you know. Um, well, well, isn't that the part where she she goes, uh, yeah? There's doctors now, and they do transplant transplants all over the country. What they do is they empty their beer coolers. <laughs> they throw in a heart and get on a plane. Yes, no, I think that was that was before the transplant. Oh, was Cause it? They, yeah, because they were talking um, about how it no, works. Either way, it's in that same scene, though. It's in that same scene, though. But yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, they do one. They had one over in Shreveport the other day. 
Um, so, yeah. So, so Justin mentioned Shelby ends her shift at the hospital, and as she's putting on her coat, she kind of has a little has been unstable a moment. Mm-hmm. And she herself, you can see, she herself she... is concerned, but she's like, "I'll be fine." But you can see a moment of concern. Then, um, um, she's at home with Jack playing with him, stands up real fast and sort of half collapses, crawls inside and then cut. And then Dylan McDermott comes home. Pasta sauce is bubbling on the stove. The refrigerator door is open. Um, Jack is crying and he's like, Shelby, Shelby. He can't find her. Horrible crying too. Yeah. Like, like screaming, crying. And I want to know, like, what did they do to make this kid cry this way? Because that's like. A real deal. And yeah. and Oscar. I actually wonder, though, if it goes back to what I said earlier about um, the mom having to be in the scene for that that Fourth of July party. I wonder if they were like, can you just step out for a minute? Because we want yeah. him to wail just like a leave. Pig, right. Just like, go, <laughs> go get lunch. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> here, go to Fazoli's. Uh, I don't <laughs> want to make a joke about this scene, but something that because I do watch a lot of murder shows and like documentaries and stuff. Where her body was, didn't it kind of, it, it didn't add up. <laughs> like, she was, like, half on the stairs, half not on the stairs, like, laying outside with, with the phone. Like, I, I was like, why why would she be, why would she gr- go inside, get the corded phone, drag it all the way out to the steps to be calling 911 or trying to call somebody? I mean, I'm assuming she just wasn't thinking I, straight. You know, I mean, That's, we've we've seen her in in episodes of sorts where she clearly isn't, you know, of a rational mind. I think more than anything, she was probably just trying to, like, s- stay out of or stay away from the baby or like, I, I don't know. I just think knows? it was I think it was like Hollywood trying to be like, all right, we got to have a scene go from left to right and we can have her all the way under the right. But. I don't want to make a joke out of that. that no, 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 but was... but it is. I mean, it, I think it was. I think you're absolutely right, Justin. It was very a very Hollywood moment, right? Like, first of all, why the fuck was the refrigerator door open? Which I'm pretty sure it was. Um, pasta sauce going like all these all these things, right? And then there here's... was also like stuff for sandwiches out on the counter, like yeah, yeah. But Jack, I don't think Jack was nearly freaked out enough. Like, if I came home and my house looked like that, I'd be like, "What the fuck is going on?" Yeah. Chaos is chaos is a brewing. Yeah. Yeah. It would, well, yeah. But um, I guess uh fast forward to so, hospital scenes. Yeah, so 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 right after that is when essentially you know, Shelby's in the hospital and um everybody's there. Malin is at her side, you know, nonstop. Um and there's an emphasis on the breathing apparatus that uh, Shelby's hooked up to. And, and for those of you that haven't watched the movie, it essentially looks like an accordion uh, inside of a clear tube. And um, at the be- very beginning of this, this, this hospital, multiple scenes, uh, the, her breath is very you know good. The accordion's moving a lot, X, Y, and Z. Um, uh, Malin is work- focused on reading to her and just keeping, like, keeping an input of information going into her, whether it's reading, exercising, Jane Fonda exercises, all this stuff. And a few scenes pass, and you can tell that things are declining. Right, the accordion breather is now much more shallow. Um, and then in no time, you see um, 
all of the men standing outside of the room, her father, her husband, her brothers, um, and Jackson as her husband is signing some paperwork, right? And right after that, they go in, um, shut off the, the breathing apparatus, and, you know, it stops, scene cuts. Um, then they're in the lobby of the hospital, and Malin, yet again, as the one who has to hold it together, walks out and is like, Jackson, make sure you get her pink suit, you know, dry cleaned, whatever, mm. blah, 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 all these things. And then she realizes, where's Jack Jr.? And Malin runs out of the hospital and you see her driving in the most beautiful sunset ever across the Louisiana Bayou or whatever out to Jackson's mom's house. Um, and this is a moment where <laughs> this is a moment that that is always that has always uh, I've always struggled with is because Malin pulls up at Jackson's mom house, mom's house. The beautiful score is playing again. And Jack Jr. Pure joy pure joy in his face is running from his one grandmother to his other grandmother who in slow motion in slow motion who whose daughter just died but like she's but but you see the tears are still going down but pure joy in her face to see her grandchild and what has always bothered me about this scene is the fact that jackson's mother never tries to come up to interact with melin to give her a hug give her anything i think it's his aunt that was his aunt who made the weird armadillo cake. You're right. You're right. So replace mother with aunt, but still this bitch never tries to come over to true. give Malin a hug or anything, right? Um, it's true. Maybe they weren't close like that. Maybe she found out she was talking a lot of shit about her cakes. Or she didn't know. <laughs> or she didn't know yet. Yeah, she may. She could have not known yet. No cell phones. No cell phone. Ooh. No, I, I think she did. I mean, the fact that Malin showed up in a in a teary-eyed mess. Like, and also she was outside waiting with Jackson. Like something true. Mm-hmm. So they could have called and, and said, "Hey, I was on my yeah, way." That was my like. That's always my one critique. Is every time I see that, I'm like, that bitch couldn't even be bothered to go give her a hug, right? So that ends. Um, and then we're fast forward to essentially um, the funeral, right? And uh you know everything's everything's happening after it's done all the men are leaving and all of the the classic clan you know so you have Weezer, Clary, Truvy, Anel, Malin all um coming up to Malin who's still standing at the casket as everyone else has left right everyone else is going home the end of the ceremony's done the funeral's done everything and Malin is still standing there but all of her women friends are now coming back to console her so Brian, I'm going to let you take it from here because I feel like you have some some good good things to say. Yeah, I really thought that like the scene was so strong. Like anyone who's ever been to a funeral or or lost someone, there's that moment, you know, at the end where things start to get quiet for the first time and like I thought Sally Field acted the shit out of the scene. 100%. And, and as she's sort of standing there, like just so full of emotion, like you can almost see her shaking Mm -hmm. the husband, the putts, um, his, you know, the two awful sons, they, they get in the car, they just leave their mom out there alone. And I was so mad in that moment until I realized like, Oh no, wait, the girlfriends are the real family. So they, they come up, and you know offer their support and you know try to engage and and get her from 
you know, not, not just sitting there in silence with her own thoughts and just sure. like trying to let her know like, Hey, we're here for you. Um, and then she just goes like rage crying and it's, it's horrible. And she goes through every possible emotion. She's, you know, just asking why, why me or why wasn't it me? Why did you have to take my, like, why, what could I have done? What should be done? I want someone else to feel this pain. I just want to hit something. And, um, man, just powerful scene. And then, um, immediately, Clary and fucking Weeza for the win. She I just goes, want to hit it. I want to hit it hard. Punch her in the face. Here, hit this. It. What are you doing? You we'll crazy. sell t-shirts that say I slapped Weeza Bodro. You just missed a golden opportunity. Well, you know, take an eye teeth attack and whack a Weeza. Yes. I kind of appreciate that's how they did the scene, though, because, like, being that person who, you know, was in Malin's shoes and then also being that person that's in Clary's shoes. Like when you see somebody that you care about, like, you know, going through that and asking those questions and, and, you know, but you like being that, like having to be that strong person and almost having to make a joke to like, I don't want to say like shake them out of it, but just kind of like pull them back. Like laughter's, laughter's healthy. Yeah. And I have to say, I definitely am, uh, uh, relate to Clary in that moment because I could see myself doing something like that in that moment, trying to like realizing this is what's needed. Yeah. But at the same time, not realizing that it's at the sacrifice of someone else's feelings at the same time, right? Like I would have been Clary, like, "Oops, yeah, I missed that one." Clary knew that Weeza could take it, though. That's yeah. the thing. Like they're well, that close, and they and they it, prove it immediately. But then also the whole, just everybody that that's it was in a weird way that really broke the ice to get Melinda realize like, "Hey, you have you know these four other women, or yeah, four other women. Like you guys are." Yeah, you guys are family, and like that's you know drop ten hot, and <laughs> they that's who they need. Hot. But yeah, <laughs> I I just I liked I liked how they did that, and then it also I feel like I know we've already talked about it, but it showed the relationship between what uh, Mrs. Bordeaux and Clary, like that. Hey, I do care about you. I do love you. Like. Again, I knew you could handle it. Like you're yeah, she, you're my she best immediately friend. Immediately checks in. She doesn't like leave her alone. She like yeah. as soon as the tension has sort of died and people started going their own separate ways, she immediately goes to Weeze and is like, Hey, well you good you good? I'm sorry. And I also know that the funeral wasn't like a day before Easter, but I loved it how Clary went right back to her ways by, you know, telling the story to Jack that that you know her friend is a bad lady and yep yeah she's an evil witch i think i think and 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 just real quick before we get there is i love that this is really the first moment that we see the true vulnerability of weezer right because she's so emotional and trying to be there for Melin and trying to i mean she's processing it herself 
as the loss of this, um, call it a mentor, if you will, or whatever, of of Shelby, but also for her friend Malin, and then now is being attacked, which I think she is used to being attacked, right? But she, her walls are always up, so it doesn't bother her as much. And now they're down, and we see that vulnerable moment, but um, which well, is beautiful, right? I mean, I think it's a beautiful moment. And it's also like you have a group of friends, and you can tease each other, but you don't want to be that single friend who's like getting made fun of. Yes. And I think that's how she she was starting to feel like, wait, am I actually part of this group or do you yep. guys really think that badly of me? Yeah. And I think because everyone else was laughing. Right. I mean, I think it's easy to feel that way for sure. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so, so to your point, I don't know the timeline of it with Easter, but I love that it sort of starts and ends with Easter, right? I mean, you have yeah. this Easter moment of beginning and then now you have it. And what is Easter, right? It's like the rebirth of, you know, all uh, of that, like, you know, and what is, what is one thing that I know you did not catch because it took me years to catch this. So go back and watch it is, um, so in the final scene you have, um, Jack Jr., um, uh, uh, doing an egg hunt, you know, on the hillside with all the other kids. And you have Sammy, who is Anel's, um, I guess now husband, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, playing the Easter bunny and he's like over it. He's not happy about it, God whatever. Damn it. And Anel's ready to pop, right? And so in that moment, she's like, she, she starts to, you know, her water breaks. She's starting to feel it. And Tr- um, Truby's like, oh, honey, it's fine. People have babies every day, you know. And Weezer's like, oh, my God, like it's this whole like she's never seen a baby happen before. Right. And but what's funny about it is just before that you see. So 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 I think Justin or, or Brian, one of you said that Clary is telling Jack Jr. a story about um, this evil, wicked, mean witch named Weezer. Right. And then so so Jack Jr. is hearing this awful story about this person named Weezer. Fine cut everybody moves away all of a sudden weezer comes in sits down next to jack jr and says hey jack remember me it's your old pal weezer and and he (laughs) smacks weezer and then starts to cry right because hello he was just told she's a mean old witch from clary right but anyway so in that scene and this is what this is what i want you to go back and watch because it is kind of funny is you'll notice that um you'll notice that Weezer is wearing like, you know, old lady heels, whatever appropriate of the age. Fine. However, so so now Anel has um so now Anel has announced her water's breaking, blah blah blah. Everyone's trying to rush her to this truck. Um the whole town. Everybody, right? <laughs> yeah. And and yeah, everybody's trying to get her to this truck. In that scene, that is the only scene that we see Weezer is in these little like brown boots. She's wearing brown little like boots, not her heels. It is hysterical. Mm. I will actually just after this pull it up and send you a picture of it. But she's wearing these little brown boots as as they're all walking across that field as the truck's pulling away and Sammy and Louie are driving off on the uh, the motorcycle behind them. But um, <laughs> her little brown boots that she's wearing, like it was one of those things that somebody said it's fine. You can wear those because you're never going to see them on camera. Well. They're on, on you. I loved it. I, I did. I did not catch that, but I'm going to look back for that. I loved it how they took like a helicopter view to follow the motorcycle and that Bronco 
<laughs> going to the hospital. But yes. yeah, I just I love the, how with that the looked. rabbit on the back, like he didn't even take the helmet off. Yeah. Yeah. He was pissed to have the helmet on, but he kept it on for the motorcycle ride. And what I what I love about the way that movie ends is it truly is the circle of life. Right. It is that. Um, it's just that. And, and, and I can I can honestly relate more than I ever thought is I remember my grandmother passing. Um, I was in the hospital right with her when it happened. And I remember having a moment where I said, I need to get outside and get some air. And I remember going down to the lobby. And as I'm walking to the revolving door, um, here is a mom with her her baby in like the carriage ready to go home. Her husband's going to pick up the truck right, or, or the car, whatever. And she's so happy. And I remember her looking at her baby and smiling and looking up at me and seeing just tears roll down her my eyes and her saying, I'm sorry. Like, because she yeah, obviously she could tell, right? Uh, and me just saying, you know, you know, it's okay, whatever, thank you. And then, like, of course, um, um, metaphorically walking through a revolving door to go outside to get some air. It was just, so anyway, point is, it's just, it's such a beautiful way to me to end this movie. I, yeah. I agree. Couldn't I have said it better. But I, a takeaway that I get from this is like, you know, it's it's a group of friends that really depend on each other and like they're each other's family. And like I do feel like each of their characters, they they have more than what we know is going on. I mean, like I think Truvy, they've hinted at it, you know, her marriage with Spud isn't probably the greatest and Mm -mm. and you know, Weezer is a little and we've talked about her, and we don't know much about Cleary, but I bet you there's something there as well. well. Her husband's and, dead. She's a horn dog. But it just, I liked how it, you know, it was these people that really came together from, like, different places, and, like, they were the ones who were there at the end. Like, like when you said, when things get quiet afterwards, they were like, hey, you got your friends there. They're, they're, this group, they're, they're for you, and yeah totally I, agree i don't know if i would watch this every month like you do Corey. <laughs> um i to be honest i don't know if i will ever watch it again really because, I, will. I will and it's and it's not because i did not like it i did like it it's just i don't think there's there's movies that you see and you watch them one time and that's it no and, i can I, fair enough Fair enough. For me, and it's it's not because I didn't like it. It's just I, there's like other like the other things that happen in it. It's like no, no, no. Fair okay. enough. It's like fair hey, enough. I saw this. I appreciate it. I don't want to watch it again. I'll admit. I'll admit. If I didn't watch this as a kid, and it's been in my life for so long, I don't know if I would. I, I probably wouldn't watch it nearly as much as I do. Um, but it's it's almost in a way like I would describe as um, the Golden Girls right now, where. To me, I can throw that on at any point, and it's familiar, right? There's the familiarity associated with these people, these characters, these you know X, Y, and Z, and um, yeah. Well, are we gonna say Brian? I, I oh, just I, I I agree with you. I think this um, I would watch it again. I would watch it mostly just to try and memorize all of Dolly Parton's silly little one-liners, like. 
she's got all these silly little quips and stuff when she's in the shop. I would I'd try and memorize some of those so I can throw them at my wife. But um, <laughs> no, I thought it was a great movie. I'd watch it again. I'd watch it with my, you know, I, I don't know, Katie, maybe but probably like my I'd, I would suggest this to watch with my grandmother. That's what I would do. Is that grandma? You want to watch a fun movie? I know you'll love it. Super yeah. country. I just I lo- I I do not compare this to like 2012. Like I never again. It's it's a it's a great movie and like I love the meaning behind it. But like yeah, you know you just there's there's some movies that kind of you feel like relatable to and like sometimes you don't want to like watch that again. 100. percent Well, no, I, I I don't um. I don't blame you at all, but it was it was a fun one. There is death. Like you said, Brian, the quotes from Truvy. So good. Actually, from everybody was great. I mean, Corey, you said I was trying to remember it, but I can't remember exactly what Shelby said when she first walked down the stairs and she was mad about the pink nail polish. Mama, mama, look at this color that Jonathan picked up at the store. It looks like a. Practically pink my foot. Looks like a stuck pig. Bled all over my hand. Yes. <laughs> How do you know that? Because he's seen it a thousand True. times. Yes. So I have to say, so if you had to rate me on a scale of one to ten for being able to do this podcast without watching it, what would your scale be? <laughs> Nine and a half. You did great. I mean, <laughs> Nine and a half. You, you did great. I don't. You, you I will... straight up narrated the whole movie. <laughs> I will say that I don't do much like like stuff. I would not do this if I wasn't confident on it. If I was like eighty eh, percent, but I'm like no, I can, I know I can do this. I was really hoping you were about to say I don't do much, but I do watch this movie all the time. Or yeah, I mean that's why it took nine years to get married because my husband was like, well, I just I just I don't know, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> now, could you do this the for VCRs, any other movie? Could I do this for any other movie? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Twister, Titanic, Titanic um, Hocus wow. Pocus, um, First Wives Club. Uh, well, speak, talking about movies and what you could recite, what are we watching next? Whose turn is it? It's on the list that I don't have in front of me because I didn't take notes. And it's so, on the list that I do by. not we'll, know where I it's at. We'll it. cut. I have it. Hang on. <laughs> That was my way. Uh, I didn't know what the next movie was. I, I was gonna, I was gonna wing it because I actually have a suggestion from a listener. Ooh, I know. Uh, but Brandy has recommended that we watch *Requiem for a Dream*. Uh, yeah, no, I've never seen it. It looks like it is on Amazon Prime for free. Uh, Pluto TV. And you can rent it from Google or Apple or YouTube. Nice. So. Hell of a staff. Cool. Well, listeners, um, if you want to know what the hell we're talking about when we review Requiem for a Dream in a few weeks, um, check it out. Uh, Give it a watch and uh, let us know what you think. Um, we always love hearing from you when we do, even if it's just a smiley face on an Instagram post. And uh, this is good, though. I, I'm so glad. It sounds like you both really like this movie, which I'm I very did. happy about. Absolutely did. I'm very did. glad. I'm very glad. So thank you for wanting to partake. 
Of course. Thanks for the suggestion. Thanks you all for listening. Thank both of you because I love you. And uh, we'll see you next time. Love you too. Bye. Bye. Bye.